0: right Ray here, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ron Patel, who is the Chief Business Officer at New Mexico United. Ron, thank you for taking the time for joining us today. How's it going?
1: Hey, it's great. It's great to be on the show.
0: Awesome. So, you know, I didn't send you the questions. I'm going to keep you on your toes for this interview. Um, they're all signed. Right, I'm ready. Super excited. Um, so, you know, could you just take us back in time and share how you got involved in the beautiful game?
1: Sure. Um, well, I mean, I'd say how I got involved was when I was three years old and I started kicking a ball. From what my parents tell me, I don't remember that. But I grew up in England. Was born about a mile from Anfield, so Liverpool fan. Uh, it's kind of in my blood. And didn't get involved in the business side of the beautiful game though until 2013. Um, I had uh, I'd moved to Albuquerque. It's a via about six or seven different moves in my life. Uh, moved to North America in 1989. And then moved to upstate New York, Seattle, Washington, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, went to high school and college there, went to Arizona State, and then moved to Albuquerque in 2004 for a job. Um, ended up starting my own business in 06. And then in 2013, I was seven seven years into my, my, my business and was watching YouTube videos, literally of watching England lose in penalty shootouts like we always do in the World Cup. And started thinking, why couldn't there be more soccer here? At the time we had a men's and a women's program at UNM. Now we just have a women's program. Um, because the men's program got cut a couple of years ago. And I was like, there there needs to be more soccer here. And and I always said, like, you know, Albuquerque's a soccer town, we just don't know it yet. And we said we have to fix that. So I met met with a couple people, um, uh, namely one named Aaron Hagman, one named Larry Espinoza. We both uh worked, the three of us worked together to bring a uh, semi-professional soccer to Albuquerque. We created a team called the Albuquerque soul. We played in back then it was called the USL PDL, the premier developmental league. It's now called USL league two. And back then it was about 70 teams all over the country. And uh, we set sail on a voyage that we had no idea what we were doing on. Didn't know how to drive that ship and learned the hard way along the way. I mean, just all the little things you don't know about when you go into it. Like we knew soccer as fans but, uh, I always tell people that have never been in there like there's a whole education on on running a soccer business that's much different from just loving soccer. so we got to learn those lessons, a lot of them the hard way and the expensive way um, and then say, we did that for
0: about five years. What's that? What would you say was like the hardest thing that you guys you know what are the three challenges that you guys came across? Because you guys were going into it fresh three How, how do I cut it from five hundred and eighty seven to, to three um okay. Three biggest
1: challenges that we faced, I would say um, one was you don't know what you don't know, all right? No matter how much you think you know everything in the world, nobody knows everything in the world. And when you go into an industry, whether that's soccer or you go into architecture, whatever industry you go into, um, you don't know what you don't know. And you have to uh, really learn that stuff. But no one's going to teach you everything. You have to just kind of learn it along the way. So when you build out a budget for any business, you know, some people say, well, leave 10% for a contingency. I'd, I'd recommend leaving about thirty to forty percent for contingency because there's just so many things. The, I mean, just the littlest things. Yeah, I never realized how much athletic tape we were going to use, uh, and the medical supplies we had to get for our athletic trainers. Um, I, you know, again, not being a soccer coach in the past, I didn't realize the extent of the travel. Um, I think number two, I would say, uh, know the geography in the soccer world. Know the geography of the league that you play in. You know, Albuquerque, we were kind of on an island. Our shortest road trip to a game was six hours away. That's the shortest. Um, the longest, I think, was either Laredo, Texas, or Springfield, Missouri, which was like 16, 17-hour drives. And we didn't have the budgets for flights back then. Um, and so those were really, really hard. But uh, so I'd say number two would be kind of know the area, uh, know the geography and everything, the the full picture going into it of what these expenses are going to be. And I guess the third biggest challenge I would say we, we have faced, and I faced this in the next chapter with... New Mexico United as well is don't, I mean, listen to the naysayers, but don't pay too much attention to them and, and use it as fuel for your fire. Cause everyone told me that uh, Albuquerque soul would never work. That was the team we started in 2013. And then in 2018, when we started New Mexico United, everyone told us, Oh, I would never work. Albuquerque is not ready for this. People aren't going to spend money on this. Nobody buys a ticket ahead of time. Like it's just never going to work. And to those people, I say, thank you very much because you fueled the fire. And we said, Yeah, I'll show you. This'll this'll work. Uh you know, you don't get aggressive or confrontational with him. You just say, Hey, I, I respect your opinion, but I feel pretty confident in what we're doing. And um, yeah, those are those are my three things on
0: the off the cuff. In regards to the naysayers, are you able to mention like what positions they were? Were these people from really high positions like city, the state, that were everywhere you guys everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Like
1: uh and that happens when you start any bit I mean when I started my own my my food delivery business in two thousand six, people told me that Albuquerque wasn't ready for that, and restaurants weren't ready for that um it was a multi restaurant delivery service that you know we thought we thought we we were filling a gap in the marketplace and we had it for ten years and we we ended up selling it to a publicly traded company so we did we did some of the right things along the way. It doesn't mean that we didn't have all the information at first, right we had to learn the hard way in that business too. Uh, but going into the soccer team in 2013 was done. And there was another chapter, like I mentioned, New Mexico United, right? So in 2018, or, I'd been looking to figure out how can we make uh, the soul a professional team. Well, it's never a straight line. It never goes the, the exact direction you think it was going to go. We kind of took a fork in the road where I had to step away from the Albuquerque soul um, because I had met a, a, a main investor in a uh, that wants to, to to bring a pro team together with us. And I had to leave the Albuquerque Sol to join New Mexico United, or back then it was called USL New Mexico before we named the team. And so that was another risk of of walking away from my baby, I guess, um, to go on this new voyage, which was to bring a USL championship club to New Mexico. So I think the Albuquerque Sol, uh, as well as the teams before it, going back as far as the New Mexico Chili's, had laid the groundwork uh, in the marketplace. We have a ton of soccer fans here, but We also attract a ton of people that aren't soccer fans. And that's what really works, I think, uh, for the business of New Mexico United. And we just kind of, again, with the same group of different people, but different naysayers saying this is never going to work. And, you know, back then the league average in the USL was, I think, about 3,500 attendance back in 2017. Um, And we we ran the numbers and we said, all right, we're going to need 6,000 a game to make this thing viable, to break even. Um, how the heck are we gonna do that? Let's well, maybe we're a bigger market. So we haven't looked at all the numbers. And back then there was 31 teams in the USL championship, and we were the 30th largest market out of 31. We're like, oh crap. And I'll quote Peter Trevisani, who you've met, I think have interviewed on this show before. I'll quote him and say we looked at the spreadsheets and said, Well, this doesn't make any sense, but screw it. It feels right. Let's just do it. And so we did it and uh we 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 set sail on that voyage for six thousand fans a game, and lo and behold, that first year I think we averaged twelve thousand six hundred something per game, so we doubled our own expectation, which we did not expect at all. We thought we would have success with the club, we knew we'd have success with the club. We thought it would uh it would take a long, long time to build a loyal following, and what we underestimated and shame on us was the pride of New Mexican people and how proud new mexicans are to be to be New Mexican. And while I'm not from here, I've been here 20 years. um, So I do consider myself an adopted New Mexican. And it's been really beautiful to see how this this state has made this team its own uh, as we have
0: progressed along the way. So it's been fantastic. Yeah, it was super cool to have uh, Peter on. I've I've listened to a few other interviews that he's done on other podcasts. And you mentioned being there for 20 years. Two decades is a long time. One of the things, actually, I want to go back to what you said about feeling good. Uh, besides looking at the numbers and saying, hey, this doesn't make sense. That's pretty interesting. What things came with feeling good? Like what was so good that made you guys feel good that you guys were like, forget the numbers, we're doing this.
1: Yep. I think the biggest misunderstanding about New Mexico United is we're not a pro soccer team. Mm. <laughs> that's what obviously everyone thinks we are, but we're not. You know, our mission statement is that we we uh, we strive to bring New Mexicans together in ways that they've never experienced before. Mm. And to do that, Soccer is a mechanism in which we do that, but there's also other mechanisms that we have in place. And so we're able to bring New Mexicans together in uh, multiple ways. Um, it doesn't have to be for 90 minutes at a soccer game, which, by the way, only happens 17 times a year at a home game. Uh, there's another 348 days of the year we have to figure out how we're going to bring New Mexicans together. So we've been super creative that and we've we've got our foundation, which is a 5.1c3 partner of ours. It's called the Somos Unidos Foundation. And they fully fund our youth academy, so ages fifteen to nineteen, those kids, their parents don't pay a dime for soccer, for travel, for hotel, nothing. Um, So we, it's kind of like a uh, a pushback on the pay-to-play system, I guess, in New Mexico. Um, Yes, I understand there's a spot for pay-to-play in soccer around the country. I understand why it's there because stuff costs money. I get it, Uh, but if we can provide a program that is not pay-to-play and it's more about, you know, who are the athletes that are participating and not who their parents are and how much money they have um, i think we can create a much better outcome for a lot of a lot of kids and so we're able to do that so i just think that it's uh, the, the most common misconception is oh we are a soccer team so that's all we do is play soccer and soccer is just a piece of the of the formula there's still a lot of other things in there so
0: yeah for sure you, you know pay to play there's definitely you know money in the game to be made um, but that opportunity that you guys are providing to parents and, and uh, up-and-coming athletes uh, to, to operate in such a positive vehicle soccer is is it amazing. And there's more and more of these projects coming out. I, I just recently seen on Instagram, an Instagram ad of DoorDash sponsoring this this soccer club in the U.S., $25,000, and they're providing um, an opportunity for athletes, again, to to play but not to pay which is amazing. Yeah. I just want to drop this on the record here. Shout out to coach Bassam back in Canada B. when I was growing up from 16 to 19. Um, he blessed me with the opportunity to play at his academy without, you know, um, putting some dollars up and, you know, giving kids that opportunity can help them be on a positive path. Again, because they're, they're they're being they're playing soccer they're in a positive space you know one of those things soccer provides the opportunity for kids to stay on that positive path so that's why i think it's just great overall um with saying that you guys do some pretty cool stuff um peter mentioned you guys had a sponsorship with our company and the art company weren't wasn't even putting any sponsorship dollars so what other cool things are you guys doing you mentioned new mexico united is not really soccer but it is but you guys also provide these other experiences. What other experiences do you guys provide that bring in the community back into the stadium and, in, and into the brand and what you guys do? Yeah, there's so many of them. I think you know, some of the ones that jump
1: out at me right away is like our holiday tour that we do with our foundation. We actually go around um, the state. I think last year it was 12 or 13 cities. Uh, and just to give you some context, New Mexico is the fifth largest state in the United States by, by area. So it's the fifth largest land mass of states in the United States, uh, but we only have 2 million people, and so everyone is spread out. And so when so- someone falls on hard times in a community, they could be spread out all over the place. So these 12 different cities we go to in our holiday tour, we reach out to these communities ahead of time. Hey, what's the need right now? Is it, Do you need warm blankets? Is it a canned food need? Is it this? Is it that? What are the different things uh, that we can do? Sometimes you want to just come to a clinic with some kids. Uh, What's the need you have? And we go to each one of these communities and we take players with us and front office staff and and our foundation staff are the ones that really put the work in. Uh, and, And again, there might be soccer balls involved in that, but it's got nothing to do with playing the game on the field. It's about enriching lives around the state. Another one that comes to mind was we did this one in year one uh where it was like a, a a uh live art experience i guess you would call it went to a community center um in a, a uh in a economically uh, uh stricken neighborhood and with all these kids and we said we're going to build an art project with soccer balls and they're like okay well, how are you gonna do that so we put up these like huge boards wooden boards against the portable building of the community center and we took all the soccer balls and we rolled them all in paint and then the kids would take turns kicking the soccer balls against the the, the board. And it created like this Jackson Pollock style painting uh, that the kids created. And then we took that and cut it up into 50 pieces and gave each one to a different artist and had the artist create a uh, a project out of that piece of art. And unfortunately, we didn't get to do the final piece because of COVID was we were going to have an event like at a gallery where they would bring their art project and, and explain it and the kids would be there to see all the stuff that they helped create and so again nothing to do with soccer on the field but we were find a way to to marry art and sport the the art business you're talking about is called meow wolf um and so yeah we, we we've worked with them since day one we actually just signed a new deal with them uh this year which is a lifetime contract oh, wow. uh which I don't know if I've heard of one of those in sports before, we like to be the first in in some wild, crazy things. So we did sign a lifetime agreement
0: with Meow Wolf to so be a sponsor of New Mexico United forever. So, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and that's actually so crazy. My coach bassam just texted me, and I just brought him up. That's crazy. Um, he barely texts me. I, I'm kidding. Um, so I'm interested to know how you got involved in New Mexico United. Um I've listened to your interview with Marcus I'm going to butcher his last name Wafferson um yeah, yeah. podcast which was great content uh extremely valuable um I'm really interested to know how you got involved with New Mexico United So I met Peter through a mutual friend
1: uh told him kind of the 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 vision I had, had for soccer in New Mexico and how I wanted to do it and then it kind of aligned with his vision which was um, he had worked in finance for 20 years and wanted to do something different. He would re- basically retired and said that he wanted to do something that was more community-driven. He had he, he's lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico for the last 20 years, still does, and had always been in this boutique finance firm that most of their clients weren't here; they were all around the world. And he wanted to do something that was more kind of to help the the place where he's called home for the last 20 years. Uh, and he's a big he's very passionate about art. He's very passionate about immersive theater. And he's very passionate about people. He did a really cool thing called Project 47, which was before his 47th birthday. I don't know if he told you about this. He for 47 straight days, he's he's all about fitness. You'll see that if you see him as his, he's uh, in good shape. And so 47 days leading into his 47th birthday, he did a different workout. And so one day it was, you know, a, a cycle class The next day, it could have been water aerobics. The next day, he was playing dodgeball at his kid's seventh grade class. And each day, he did a different workout, and he met different kinds of people from all walks of life, as he did each one of these workouts each and every day. Um, So Peter just had this kind of wild – he has this wild imagination, um, evidenced by his involvement with Meow Wolf. When they started, he was an early investor and advisor to Meow Wolf. And so he's got this creative kind of foresight. And so when I shared with him what I was thinking of at soccer, and he was like, well, this is kind of how I want to you know, spend the rest of the next chapter of my life, which will end up being the rest of his life because he loves it. Um, and he just, it just resonated with him. It took a while when after we first met. Uh, and then we worked together to bring the ownership group together uh, to then ultimately at the end of 2017, buy the franchise uh, from the USL. And then we kicked off our business in January of 2018. And then uh, kicked off the team in March of 2019,
0: on that memorable day where the first goal was scored by a New Mexican, which was awesome. So nice. You said it took a while. Um, so um, going back a little bit, how long? How long would you say a while took in regards to then you guys approaching USO to pr- purchase the franchise, which was 2018.
1: Well, with Peter, or well, there's two answers to that question. The one answer is how long did it take? I mean. We were looking for, I was looking for investors for a USL championship team for years. Mm. Um, once I met Peter, it probably took about a year um, till when we got to the point where we felt comfortable moving forward. Because uh, it's not just, hey, let's start a business and let's go. Like it's, you got to raise a significant amount of money, um, millions and millions and millions of dollars to get this thing started. It's a huge risk. And especially in a, a place like New Mexico, where there's there's really a graveyard of sports teams that have come and gone. Uh, with a few that still are here, of course, um, but there's, there was a lot of risk involved. But the owners of New Mexico United, which is Peter's, the majority owner, and there's about six others, um, all have a connection to New Mexico. They either all grew up here or raised their families here, and so they didn't do it to make money. They did it because it, it provides a better quality of life for New Mexico. And quite honestly, New Mexico, we don't, we don't haven't always had a ton of things to to really, really celebrate. Often, you'll find it's the top of the bad lists and the bottom of the good. And a lot of people choose to focus on that, right? That, that there's negative things. And yeah, we still we still have a lot of challenges with crime and homelessness and addiction. Um, you know, Income levels are not high here. And so all of these things are reasons not to do something like this and reasons not to take a big risk like this. But I think one thing that Peter and I both agreed upon was New Mexicans are some of the best people you'll ever meet in the world. And New Mexicans are unique. No New Mexican looks like another. We're all very culturally diverse. And there are people that have lived in this place for hundreds and hundreds of years. You look at Native American Pueblos that have been here for centuries and the buildings that they've created have withstood the test of time as well as the elements here. Um, there was this famous story about Governor Lou Wallace that came to the New Mexico territory and wrote back to people on the East Coast saying, um, I'm gonna butcher the quote, but you'll get the point of it, is that you know, based on my calculations, all things uh, all things that uh, work elsewhere fail in New Mexico. And that's commonly caused, called the, the curse of Lou Wallace. And he got here in the altitude. People don't realize we're the same altitude as Denver. We're 5,500 feet uh, above sea level. So teams struggle with that when they come play here. And Lou Wallace had cursed New Mexico saying that everything that works somewhere else is not going to work here. And so the very first supporters group that formed for New Mexico United independently uh, was named, rightfully so, the curse. And so the curse is still in operation till today. They're a nonprofit, five C three, and they're a lot of one of seven supporters groups that we have in Mexico United. But they were the first ones, and uh, they just have had this amazing outlook from day one. That like, all right, all things, all your tactics that work elsewhere is not going to work when you come to our house because Lou Wallace, the governor back then, um, was struggling with the altitude, with the and we get we get snow here in the winter. People don't realize that it's not desert and you know, the roadrunner being chased around. the t- Yeah, there's roadrunners here, but it's 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 a tough climate. Uh, the altitude makes you kind of catch your breath a little bit. We have a lot of wind here. Uh, that's one of the reasons we have the largest hot air balloon festival in the world is actually based in Albuquerque. It starts in four days from when we record this interview. And so what Governor Lou Wallace had realized was that New Mexico was different. Uh, but I think what New Mexico United has done, I think what's made us successful, and I'm not like patting myself on the back, I'm saying our fans, our, our our front office, our team, our staff, I think what's made us successful is we haven't used the negative things as an excuse not to do well. We've taken what may be perceived as a disadvantage and made it an advantage for ourselves. And as long as we continue to do that, this club will continue to thrive uh, for a long time to come. So I
0: think uh, hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> Yeah. Also, you guys nailed it with the branding, right? Um, the name New Mexico New Mexico United. Um, yeah. I heard you speak on this a bit. Uh, it'd be good to get your perspective as well.
1: Yeah, it's you know we got we got uh, criticized a lot for it at first because everyone's like, oh, that's boring. You know, Manchester United, Newcastle United. It's just what's used in soccer. But the more and more we looked, we took suggestions from the public. People suggested names. There was the Chupacabras. There was New Mexico FC. There was everything in between. And I think when we started talking about it, we thought, you know what, this is the only logical name because it's about what we're trying to do. We're trying to unite our community. And so New Mexico United uh, is really about And and a lot of American, whether it's media outlets or individuals, struggle with that because we get called the United all the time. And it bugs me. It used to bug me a lot more. It bugs me when I hear it, but you know, it's, I learned not to get bugged because, hey, they're paying attention to us. They're recognizing us. So thank you for that. But the United is not actually a thing. It's New Mexico United. But that's something that we'll just have to put up with, I think, for, for now until the end of time.
0: <laughs> yeah. What about building a home, new stadium? Where Where are you guys with that? I have a chance yeah. to hear about that.
1: Yeah, working fast on it every day uh, literally right now as we're talking peter's in the other room doing an interview about that as well Oh, okay cool. so um you know we did try to to do a a bond about two and a half years ago uh, which would be a publicly funded stadium that uh, got voted down pretty significantly 65 percent no and that's okay uh, we accepted that we've moved on we've now realized that the public does not want public funds to build a stadium but there's still plenty of people that want to see a stadium so it's a private project now where we're working on a land lease with the city um so we can uh so we can lease the land and then we would put the dollars in to build that stadium. So we're hoping by 2026, fingers crossed, um we'll have a, a home of our own to to play our games.
0: That's super exciting to hear. Um you know, for sports franchises, you usually want to have a home for the team um in regards to just control and and revenues. Um what would you say are the biggest challenges with you know playing at the current stadium that you guys play if you could share about that
1: yeah so there's there's two types of challenges there's business challenges and then there's the sporting challenges, right The sporting challenges are it's a baseball stadium, not a soccer stadium, so you bring the the grass in the grass has to go on the baseball diamond and then you gotta seam it up nicely, which means we can't be practicing it on it the day before the game. There's a lot of things we can't do, also the field's being used by a baseball team for seventy five other games so it's really tough to for the athletes to only get limited time on it. Even though it's our home territory, uh, it's really hard to be uh, feel like a home because they're not there very often, and it's still an awkward you know field surface to play on. And so, with that being said, that's the sporting side on the business side. You know, most of the one of the biggest benefits of owning a, a sports uh, stadium with your team in it, um, or being the primary tenant, is you get the the majority of the economics when it comes to concessions and parking while we still get ticketing and merchandise revenues now uh, we get uh much less of the concessions and and much less of the parking so right away day one we just take our games and we start playing in the new facility and and that becomes a lot more attractive to us as the business
0: so got it um in regards to the stadium are you guys just building a stadium how many seats and is it going to be just a soccer specific stadium or will it be a mixed-use development project uh, it'll be both of those two things you just said.
1: So it will be soccer specific, like designed for soccer, but it will be used as a multi-use. So we'll be able to use it for for um, you know uh, concerts and other sports games and things like that. And then- uh, seats, we haven't landed on the number of seats yet. It's still again when you're privately financing it, you got to see you know what's the the rate you're going to get on the on the debt portion of it and you know the existing owners are coming in for more money and new investors are coming in so it's uh it's a range of what it'll be it was somewhere probably
0: around ninety five hundred seats is what we're thinking okay well um well you guys are in USO Championship, so that makes sense i was just thinking about USO one um and then in regards to the mixed use are you, what are you guys what other real estate are you guys going to do around the stadium not a ton because of the site is a city-owned site um so what what it will
1: do though is it's, it's balloon fiesta park is the site we're looking at but what it will do is allow the balloon fiesta park which hosts that big balloon event i told you about um, to put much needed improvements into the infrastructure of the park and so by bringing this project there it attracts more dollars to the balloon fiesta so that way it's a win-win for everybody there um, we're not going to play games when the balloon fiesta is going on we want we want people to go to the balloon fiesta so we don't compete um and we've also kind of with some of this, these new funds that are coming into the park, we're actually not taking away, we're gonna be building the stadium and part of the parking lot. But we're actually going to be adding parking spots
0: elsewhere, where they will net out more parking spaces than they had before. So it's a win win for everybody. Got it. And um, if you're able to share, are you working with a group on this in regards to the real estate aspect of it? What's the question? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah, are you guys currently working with a group in regards to help with the real estate um, aspect of of this? Oh okay. yeah, we've had a we've had a team that's been working on this for years. Uh, so
1: and the team just get keeps getting bigger. So
0: yeah, uh, are you guys working with anybody outside of New Mexico? <laughs> another group in regards to the real estate? Uh,
1: no one really outside of New Mexico right now. We're just working with a local group. Yeah. Um And then from there, we'll,
0: we'll we'll probably have to expand that once we get closer to the construction time. Okay. Uh, just to be respectful of your time, do you have like ten minutes? Uh, I've got five. Five. Okay. Um we're seeing you know a little trailer, well not a trail little trailer a big trailer with Leo Messi, just one big mainstream player here in the u s uh what are your thoughts with him with him here in the u s and the effects that he's had the positive effects?
1: It's awesome, Because right? I think back to when was it two thousand seven when Beckham came in? And that was like the first wave, I would say. And I remember sitting at my house watching Beckham's first game with L.A. when he got subbed on and he took that free kick. And I just remember that. But now it's this is like a whole other level. Um, And it's really good for the game. Um, It's good for anyone that doesn't feel good about it, I think really isn't a fan of the game maybe. And some people might criticize me for saying that. But I think the effect that he has on it um is already being seen and it's the first year um but it's just it's like i would love to i haven't seen him play yet but i'd love to go see a game but just every just the ripple effect this is having in every direction is just putting so many more eyeballs on the game there won't be a more significant impact on the game until 2026 right when the world cup gets here um and this is far surpassed the impact that beckham had when he came over in 07 i think it was so what he's done has been amazing and I yeah, I
0: couldn't say enough positive things about it. Got it. My last question, um, what what are your thoughts on the twenty twenty six World Cup? It's it's a huge event coming to the US, Canada, Mexico. It's gonna have a massive effect on the US. What are your what's your perspective and thoughts on that?
1: Oh, it's another game changer. Like every four years the World Cup comes and soccer in this country sees a big boost in in popularity. You take into account this um it's amazing how much the game's going to grow now and it's not just because it's here it's because of the impact of all the fans that come over here to watch these games are going to interact with people from our country and they're going to catch soccer fever uh and of course it was here in 94 uh but think of where our country is now for soccer today compared to where it was in 1994 um it is it's so so damn exciting I went to the World Cup in 06 in Germany. And just by being around that atmosphere it changed my life. I still to this day, remember the feelings I had of different areas of the World Cup when I interacted with fans from all over the world. And just to know now that that was just me, I went by myself, I was 20, 25, I think when I did that. Um, now that feeling I had meeting those people from all over the world, hundreds of thousands of Americans are gonna have that feeling whether they're soccer fans or not. You're not going to be able to escape it yep. in 2026. Sure. So that effect is going to be seismic, and
0: any fan of the game is, is excited for it, I think. Yeah, super excited. Well, Ron, uh, before we go, I'd like to thank you for taking the time for joining us on the One Soccer Nation podcast today.
1: Yeah, you didn't make the questions too hard, so Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>